The Game Podcast is proudly sponsored by StarCityGames.com. This weekend, the SCG Tour goes to Dallas for Team Constructed, featuring a brand new standard format. The action kicks off at 10.30 Central and is hosted by Cedric Phillips, Patrick Sullivan, Nick Miller, and the rest of the SCG Tour crew. You can't make it out to the event? Be sure to watch at twitch.tv slash scgtour. Hey everyone, welcome to the 59th episode of the Game Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Thompson. Here with me is Brian Gottlieb, a.k.a. Kamal Pit Fighter. Yes, I am in a pit fighting type mood today because I'm getting ready to enter the arena. I'm starting to get hyped about Magic Arena. Oh, It's wow. taken a while, but uh, my hype is steadily building, and so I celebrated it by declaring myself Kamal Pit Fighter. Also, do you remember when, like... The type of limited bombs you were afraid of were cards like Kamal Pitfighter, which looks so quaint in comparison to things like Glorybringer or Tetsamok or all these insane limited bombs we deal with now. I do remember. Like this card was a scourge of its format. Like you were terrified to face it in limited. Yeah, but all of our other cards were so bad too. They were. They were. It's a totally different game. It's not a fair one-to-one comparison, but it was just funny to me to think like this was the card we were absolutely terrified of. Yeah, that's kind of a joke. Yep. As, as I said before the podcast, I like Kamal Fist of Krosa. Yeah, that seems equally as dominant and limited. Did it see any constructed play? Which is the best Kamal of all time? <laughs> well, I like Fist of Krosa because I played it in a constructed Pro Tour. Success- granted, successfully. Granted, it was block constructed, so a little bit different. Yeah, it still gets the point. It, it appeared at a Pro Tour. That's what's important. Yeah. I was 4-2, and two and I could have drawn into day two, but I got paired down and my opponent beat me. So he has never made a successful day two appearance. Well, maybe that's not. Someone else might have played Kamal Fist of Krosa to great success in that pro tour. Who knows? I got I got my Silvos threatened three turns in a row against Matt Lindy. Silvos is some arbitrarily large creature, right? Is it like an 8-8 or something like that? Three, GGG, 8-5 trample. That's right. Also that's regen- right. regenerates for G. Yeah. But I, I won that game and that match. So I do. I have some vague recollection of these cards. I was certainly playing at the time, but I think not like with a high degree of focus. Like I just came in and out at that point. Uh, Wikipedia also tells me that there's a famous singer named Kamal. Oh, nice. No idea. He's a recording artist active in Australia, and he's best known for the elephant song, says Wikipedia. So those are your Kamal facts for today, if you were curious. Okay, so he's he's not well known for fighting in the arena. No, I don't believe so. Okay, so we're, we're a constructed podcast, uh, you know, like 99% of the time. Most of the time. So you're excited for arena, and it's interesting because I didn't see the actual live stream or anything that Wizards did. I just read the Kotaku article, which... Same. May or may, may or may not be actual journalism. I don't know. And it seemed like people were very unhappy about that. How do you feel? I feel like my my patience for people's unhappiness this week is like at an all-time low, to be honest with you. Everything just feels so negative right now. And look, I can be a negative person too. I certainly have some of that in me. Like there's some carmogeny-ness about my, my attitude a lot of days. But this week, it just seems to be amped up to a million in the Magic community. First of all, this is a beta. Like, this isn't the final product. This isn't exactly how things are going to necessarily go in Magic Arena. This is what they're trying. And and without further information, essentially what we've been told is meaningless. Like, we don't know how often you get these wild cards. And for people who don't know, it seems like it's not like a one-for-one crafting system. It seems like you have to accumulate all cards. And then when you have an excess of four, you get points towards 
what seem like wild cards and you get to trade in those wild cards at various rarities. It's a strange system, but there, we don't know enough about the moving parts behind it at this point to say it's going to work or not. So I, I don't know. I'm just holding judgment. There's not enough information. I like the idea of opening wild cards and boosters. I think that is really cool. It, it's like kind of weird though, because I kind of just want to like open a mythic instead of a wild card mythic. That has got to be stupid, right? Like obviously one is just strictly better than the other, but just like, oh, I opened a uh, Jace or whatever. Like that's awesome. No, there's you know? something to be said for emotional impact. Like having the specific card is is probably more emotionally impactful than pulling the wild card, even though the wild card is strictly, it just is the card. Like it's all the cards. Right. So I guess a lot of that will be about presentation, right? Because you can picture like this huge explosion of animation and a really like flamboyant, you know, set of animations and sounds when you get your wild card that could make it feel just as impactful and even more exciting than opening the best mythic. It's all about how it's presented, I think. So again, right. a lack of information. We don't know exactly how things are going to go. So I'm just holding judgment at this point. I mean, like, I'm happy they've pulled back the curtain a little bit, given us some information, but I don't have an assessment of whether this is going to be a successful system or not. And neither does anyone else. Everyone's just guessing. It's kind of silly to speculate. Agreed. The, the one the one downside, if you compare it to other games, is that you need to get four of a crappy mythic before your fifth copy becomes dust, essentially. Yes, that is the clear flaw. That seems like the main complaint, but it's like, dude, you know how many times I've like dusted and recrafted Sylvanas or whatever? Like, save me from myself. Make it so I can't blow that stuff up. It, I think it's fine. It, well, it all depends like how hard it is to accumulate cards, right? Like if you're accumulating cards at a very rapid clip, like if they're cognizant of the fact that these are kind of the levels you have to go through to make a full collection. And it, it's not really feasible to think they're going to kind of give everything away, right? Like there is going to be some level of investment. It's not going to be super easy to accumulate four of everything. Right. But I hope that this isn't about their goals kind of being to not have a really like high level constructed scene on the platform, like trying to make it as difficult as possible to play metagame decks. That seems crazy to me. Like that's what magic is about. And the people who are making this know that. They can't stray that far from the general approach that we take towards playing Magic now, or they will be met with some ire. So that's why I'm just holding all judgment. It's it's a beta. Everything's still on the table, I'm sure. And if this just doesn't work in the beta, they're going to change it. It's not a big deal. Right. So if you have some constructive feedback to give, by all means, do that. And I do mean constructive. Yeah. Complaining is basically just going to make it so your voice is not heard. So if you have better ideas for implementation and reasons why, by all means, let them know. But... Complaining on Twitter doesn't really do a whole lot, unfortunately. Yeah, and I feel like the same could be said about another hot topic this week. <laughs> I'm sure we're well, going to talk about well, today. One, one more thing: what happens when you like spend all these money, all this money on packs, right? And you get like complete set of standard, and then some of standard rotates, and then you just have to keep all these cards. Like that's a feel bad. That does seem to be how it would work right now. I don't know. I mean, my if you want my completely baseless speculation. At some point, the start of Magic Arena is going to be the starting point of a new format. We're talking like way down the road right now, I think. But it makes sense to me that where these cards are now available, you start a new format that goes back forever. It may even be just an arena-only format to begin with, right? Like it could be something that exists completely separate from Paper Magic. But I, I do think that this is going to mark a turning point in Magic. And at some point, there's going to be a successor to modern. It may be 10 years from now, it may be 50 years from now, God willing, that we're still playing Magic in our Magic retirement homes at that point. But <laughs> I, I do think that this is kind of the genesis of a new 
eternal format for magic. Yeah, fair enough. I, I could I could totally see that. I don't know how that impacts things with like modern and everything like that. But like you said, it's probably far down the line, and I guess that makes sense. Yeah, and I mean, uh, we don't even have a release date yet for Arena. We're still we're still a ways off, so it's kind of yeah. silly to speculate about this stuff. But just a guess. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, so now. We did the thing that I strongly dislike where before we talk about the actual topic, we talk for eight minutes about nonsense. Mm. Thankfully, we have timestamps for the people who can or who want to skip ahead. So, uh, Bannings, what's up? Uh, hooray is is my quick take. Okay, this is complicated. So, so bands suck. There's no way around that. But I think there's kind of an inescapable conclusion that Standard got absolutely mucked up in this time frame that we're currently playing. There was something wrong on the development design side. Things, things are bad. I think Wizards has owned that. They've come out and said, we've made some mistakes. They've taken steps to rectify those mistakes as far as hiring some really talented people, stealing your, all of your podcast co-hosts. Yeah, dude, I was, I was going to complain about that. But, but we have you now. We have you now, and you're great, so whatever. Well, that remains to be seen. I could be out the door tomorrow. Maybe that's the maybe I'm in charge of setting up this new format. You don't know. That's why I'm damn it, right now. Damn it, Brian. <laughs> Who am I supposed to get when you leave, man? Uh, you'll find someone. You find someone every time. It'll be fine. Oh, God. But, fine. but anyway, uh, they, they've owned their mistakes with regards to this standard and they've taken steps to address it. So given that, would you rather just suffer through like this kind of horrible standard for the next you know, however long until rotation? Or do you want them to take very, very thoughtful, proactive steps to get us back to playing magic that's absolutely enjoyable? And that's what they did here. There's no mistaking this. These were very first of all, eloquently described, and I think very carefully crafted bands that are designed to open up the metagame, let a lot of new archetypes come to fruition, let new cards shine, and just get us back to playing some fun magic. And so far, I've really enjoyed brewing after the bands, and I, I think this is a home run. It's really been disheartening to see people's kind of ire. I don't know, again, like you said, if you have a better suggestion, go ahead and put it out there. What were they supposed to do here? Like, just let us suffer through a format that no one wanted to play anymore until we had a Kaladesh rotation? This was a like a necessity. I don't know what else people wanted from Wizards at this point. And they did so in a way to preserve the value of people's collections, too, which I think is a very important part of the puzzle. Yeah, man, I think I think it's huge. Uh, anyone who is thinking that, like, Scarab God or Hazret was going to get banned, like, you're you're missing the point like they they realize that like the the bands do hurt like it undermines consumer confidence and i think they did a really good job this time where like they banned four cards and you know granted from only two decks effectively but those decks are still very much intact i think that hopefully you know they're on an even playing field with the rest of the decks in the format now and people lost very little in the way of value and i think that that's actively a good thing and I also agree with you that what else are they supposed to do? Like, do you just want to keep playing this format where Teamer and Monored are the best decks by far? Maybe the people who own those decks and enjoy playing like their high power level deck might enjoy that. And I certainly come from a place of privilege where it's like, you know, I, I have the majority of standard cards or I could borrow them from friends if I need to, you know? So like these things generally affect me very little. Uh, and I, I definitely realize that, but yeah, I don't know. I, I do think that this was for the best. And I do think that the cards that they banned do a very good job of achieving their goals and they come at a very low cost to the player base, which is huge. And the, the actual cost is the consumer confidence thing. And, but there was like no way around that. Right. Yeah. And I think if they set a precedent of acting in a way that 
kind of preserves consumer value. I mean, look, I, I think a probable outcome of these bans is that the value of people's collections has gone up because it inspires more people to play standard, creates more demand for a bunch of other cards, and they didn't take the value of any of the cards that were in Teamer or Ramanap Red. Uh, I mean, some of the cards have gone down a little bit, but yeah. But not dramatically, right? Like we're not talking like no, no. you know cryptocurrency type drops. Like it's it's just a little blip on a radar. You didn't lose half your your value in magic cards with the bannings. Right. I mean, Hazaret went from like 14 to 8 or something, but for the most part, things are intact. And I think that like Hazaret being eight tickets online or whatever uh is a gross reaction, like an overreaction to the bannings. Right. And once more results come in and like mono red starts doing pretty well or Marty vehicles or whatever, like Hazard's price will go up. Uh, but yeah, I, I do agree. Like if the standard format is fun, more people are going to play it. And uh, then the demand for cards goes up and your standard collection increases in value. And uh, certainly by weakening teamer and mono red, the prices for all the other cards in the format, like will just steadily rise because there is more demand for those cards also. So that's my take too. And and you're exactly right that like I'm in the same spot where I, I am privileged to have access to all these cards. And I do, I mean, look, I grew up as a kid, I, I was very poor and I played a lot of magic and I can't imagine how devastating something like that could be to me when I was a kid, because it was just impossible to acquire another deck essentially. And I know there's people in that same position, but I think as long as Wizards moves forward in a way that is cognizant of those potential losses. There's really just not anything to complain about here. Everyone's a winner under these bands. And I have been brewing nonstop. Like I, I had a stream um, on Monday after the bands where we did a whole bunch of deck building. I know a bunch of people from the, the Patreon Discord were there and it was super exciting. There was tons of really interesting ideas to explore. And I, I basically have been thinking about magic nonstop since the bands. So that's a, that's a really good sign. And that reminds me that I need to post that video on our Patreon. Mm. I tried, I tried from to do it from my phone. It didn't work. People are clamoring, man. They they want to know what's going on with the hot deck building action. Although all of the lists are posted to the Patreon page as well in the Discord. So if you're a member, you can head over to the Discord and check those out. Yeah. Okay. So now what happens? Now we got to play some magic. <laughs> we have to start playing games and figure out exactly where everything lies. Yeah, but we can t- we can just see the future, right? So. Most times we can see the future, yes. And and I do have my my future site absolutely primed for this episode. And and I think I can predict what's going to happen. Hit me. Let's go. Well, you may not like the answer. Teamer's not going anywhere. It's still a very good deck. That's okay though, right? Is it, is I, it- I think it's okay. Because it's, it's not a dominant deck. It's kind of fallen back to the field, but it's still a very good deck. And I think that's exactly what they wanted to do with these moves. And, and I think... Mission accomplished. They 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 had the proper effect. And guess what? Red Aggro is still really good too. Taking on a few forms right now. A card that we completely have left off our, our both of our top 10 lists is kind of seeming to shape the face of new Red Aggro in the Path of Metal, the the double-sided <laughs> red white land thing uh, that we just didn't mention at all. That card is listen. a very large part of the red white aggro deck at this point. My article last week started with me trying to build decks around that card. And by the end of it, I had just given up. And I was just like, I, I don't think that this card is very good at all. And I, I still kind of feel that way. I, I was watching some people stream and it just, it did not excite me at all. People seem really excited about this card. I honestly haven't played with or against it. You know, we're not at the point where we have a ton of games in. So I'm only looking at results and I know that 
people I've talked to have been really into this card. But yeah, it didn't catch my eye at first either. Obviously, I kind of thought it was a lot of work for not much sizzle. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree with that. And then it's like, what what happens even? Like, it's it's such a big deck building restriction. And then you just get a better Ramanap Ruins, I guess. It's like, oh, it's Bandit, so we, we still need it. I guess we'll just try and jump through hoops to make this one work. Yeah, you have to you have to pay the cost in deck building to get access to it. I don't know. I, I don't know if this is a, a long-term player in the meta, but my point is that the the pillars of the meta for the early stages are still in place. And I think they're teamer, red aggro. I would include black green in that list as a like kind of a tier one archetype right now. Uh, yep. Just Winding Constrictor, Jade Light Ranger, six fives for three are really good, I heard. Scry two, um, nice combination of stats there. And then there is kind of like the Abzan Tokens list floating around in tier two. Approach, blue-black control, or jostling for position as to which one is going to be the de facto control deck. And that's the baseline of the metagame, and that's where you can start. I think you forgot a big one. Well, two big ones, maybe. Which which two? Grixis Midrange. Yeah, I kind of would I would put that in the teamer category, even though they are like they have different goals. But that I, I'm grouping them together for my brewing purposes right now. I think if you're cognizant of one in your deck building, you're doing a good job, kind of accounting for the other in most instances. Likely, I think that Grixis might be the better teamer. That is possible. Teamer's easier, right? Like we we just default to teamer because to what we've done for a long time. Right. But Grixis could certainly pull ahead yeah grixis has like some wonky mana but you get siphoner and whirler virtuoso and harness lightning and like those cards are just as good as they were uh like pre-ban and everything and this deck was already playable so i think that grixis is pretty nice i think uh the chupacabra is probably pretty nice i don't know how you feel about that one yet i I think you do know how i feel about that one i haven't changed my position yet basically that's what that's what i'm saying okay okay fair enough uh and then merfolk is the other one which has I don't know. After after Ixalan, I was kind of down on it, and I didn't see a whole lot. Like I saw some things that filled curves and whatnot, but there was nothing that was like, oh man, like now I definitely want to play Merfolk, except for like Kumina, just because you know Crit Breaker is great, and I guess like Jade Bearer is just kind of great, and Deep Root Elite is pretty great. I don't know. Like having to play Unsummon as your interaction is not great, but oh, that's what I was gonna say. Are are you impressed by the Merfolk list that have kind of? you know, shown up so far, the ones that are showing up in the 5-0 results? Uh, I'm not impressed, but like the tribal decks never look good, right? Like you have to see them in action. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. And again, not a lot of games in haven't played against the blue-green merfolk list as of yet. And also I've been playing entirely black-white control this far, which is awesome. I think it's super, super good. Totally has legs in the format. What What is your deck? You're not going to be happy about it. Profane Procession is a huge part of it. That card is very Ugh. good. Very, really? very good. Yeah, it's very good. I promise you. There, there's so many situations where you just like have a Profane Procession in play and you can't lose the game. It's absolutely impossible. Like against any, basically, I feel like my deck can't lose against any non-blue creature deck because at some point I'm going to establish board parity with my swaths of sweepers and spot removal. And then I'm going to play a profane procession and there's nothing they can do to come back into the game. It just takes over on the spot. Tetsamok has been awesome in the list as well. It's just a one of, but does exactly what we thought it did when we talked about it last week in the late game. It just cleans up the game on the spot. Kind yep. of does this weird thing in the early turns where it maximizes your mana. Um, I'm leaning on treasure map for my 
both acceleration and filtering and card drawing. But that's been really nice with Tetsamok as well. Again, it sets up really good profane procession oh, turns. Wow. I, I'm into this deck right now. I've only played, you know, I'm, I'm only scratching the surface, but it's got legs Word. and it needs to answer a lot of questions. It needs to figure out sideboarding plans. But I'm telling you, Profane Procession is a real magic card. And I I was on board with your kind of thrashing of the card when I presented it last week. You made a lot of good points, but it's one of those things that you just have to play with it a couple times and you're like, oh, I get this now. Okay. Because if, if you design your deck in a way that you're often getting yourself to parody, it's like a parody destroyer. Like you, it, it, It's a door closer, essentially. If you establish parody with a profane procession on the board, the game becomes almost impossible to lose. Yeah, and you have things like Fumigate and Settle the Wreckage to put you in that position, right? Correct, correct. I mean, my deck is like mostly removal. It's a Fatal Push, Baffling End, Cast Out, Ixalan's Binding, and it just kind of sits there forever until I finally put a Gideon in play and win the game. Do you have four maps? I have four maps. I started with three, and then I realized it was probably the best card in the deck. Awesome. I needed to go to four very quickly. And I could, I did consider Gateway at first, just because I didn't want to... Like, I don't think that card is good, but I didn't want to be dismissive of it. It just doesn't get the job done. Like, some people are so excited. Like, I know Sean McLaren wrote an article about it on Star City Today. Um, he thinks the card is, like, the truth in both standard and modern. I just don't see it, man. I, I don't think Azor's Gateway is particularly good. I think it's worse than treasure map uh almost certainly especially in multiples like multiple treasure maps is a big game multiple azores gateway is not a big game whatsoever so that's yeah, less good yeah less good I-, I would stick with treasure map if you want to try a gateway or two go for it but treasure map's going to prove to be better i think well i definitely will try gateway at some point but i've i've been trying to attack people and how are you doing that currently monored pirate hazaret thing okay so pretty much what we would expect out of your pirate base? Yeah. I, I think the Isamaru Daring Buccaneer is excellent. I think that Fanatical Firebrand is okay. And playing 12 one-drops is fine now that you lost Ramanapa Ruins and you just want to like cut a land anyway. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Lannery is pretty bad, but Dire Fleet uh, fake Snapcaster Mage thingy mm-hmm. is excellent. Huh. I will say that I was looking at, you know, the the red white metal decks and, and the one the particular list I was looking at had one dire fleet main three in the sideboard and I started thinking about it in the mirror and just like looking at his creatures and it blocks and kills everything now. Like yeah. it, it's a significant upgrade. The bodies look very different than they did previously. With that caveat, I'm certainly a lot more on board with that card than I was previously. Like the body has become very relevant given the size of uh, other creatures in the format. Also with things like Fanatical Firebrand, like everything just scales up, you know? It's like you have a True. you have a Firebrand, so they can't block with three toughness things. Maybe you have Shock, so they can't block with four. And then you have like Lightning Strike. And it's just like, the first strike is hella good, you know? And if, if you play it like an Abbot of Carol Keep, that is completely fine. And you just want more Pirates for Daring Buccaneer anyway. And there are things like Lannery that you just don't want in your deck and you'd rather have Crasher instead. So uh, Dire Fleet Daredevil, is that it? Yes, yeah, that, that guy or lady, I'm not sure which, I haven't looked at the art, has been quite good. What are your numbers like on that card? Uh, so uh, I started at two and two, and I think it's just four zero. Wow. So you're a believer. I am a believer. I'm, I'm a believer because it's a pirate and two and first strike is red. 
anything past that is just bonus. You know, if you play against a mirror match, like any fatal push deck, like generally they're going to have targets. If you play against a control deck, it's like, okay, fine. Like maybe you get a glimmer of genius or something. Who knows? Are you getting any other payoffs on your pirates? Are you doing anything with like the tribal spells? Um, you know, the the pyroclasm that doesn't hit pirates. Is that something you're into or any of those type of effects? The pyroclasm is way worse than magma spray, I think. I could see that. I started with pyroclasm. It was not a good idea. <laughs> it's just like if there are mirror matches, it's pretty bad. Merfolk goes a little too big, too big. for it to actually matter. Yeah. And then mono black aggro has all the recursive threats that are, it's basically how they beat you. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. And then are there any other, there's no really other interesting pirate spells, right? It's just like you're the, you're in the pirates for the two, the one drop. Dude, I thought about playing a cut list. Maybe I should try it. I could see some matchups that being really good. And sometimes size just matters a lot. Yeah, 4-2 first strike game. Yeah, it's it's possible that's a, at least a viable sideboard card. I know some of my first sketches had the uh, give a pirate plus one, plus one and double strike. I talked myself out of that pretty quickly. That was a little speculative. Okay. It, it was cute. No, that's legit. Uh, the, the Phoenix, I'm not sure on. I've been playing for Chandra because I assume that there's just going to be a lot of control in mid-range and that's like the best card against them. Mm -hmm. You do think uh, it's better yeah. than Phoenix right now? I think so. And yeah, I don't know. The, like the Phoenix, I, I brought it in in a few spots and it just, it didn't really work how I wanted to. You know, it's just like, it doesn't block things that well. Certainly if they have to kill it, then that's pretty good for you. But there's also just like Vraska's Contempt and stuff like. Yeah. I can talk a little bit about Phoenix because it's a card that when I did my rebuild of Teamer, I, I think a lot of people are just kind of like doing one for one replacements at this point. Like the Jade Light Rangers are in the uh, Rogue Refiner spots and you know, there's no real replacement for a tune. I've seen stuff like Branch Walkers and, uh, you know, just more spells in the deck. My approach, however, was to be very conservative with the mana base make sure that I wasn't really stretching all that far anymore with the absence of a tune. And basically I only had the only blue card I had in the main deck was Whirler Virtuoso with a plan to access, you know, the blue negate stuff like that in post board games. Because of that, I found myself wanting to have a way to just go over the top of a lot of decks, literally by flying over them. So my take on teamer left Bristling Hydra for Rekindling Phoenix. So it was four Rekindling Phoenix into four Glorybringer. You know, trying to avoid kind of the ground stalls that I do see happening with Merfolk, Vampires, the recursive Black Creature decks, and now the Tokens decks, all being able to gum up the ground very effectively. I just wanted to skip all of that and just be in the skies. And I, I used Phoenix to that effect. Now, again, I haven't gotten games in with, with it yet, but I think it's a really interesting take on Teamer. And I think I'm going to play a PPTQ with it this weekend, probably the Moto PTQ as well, just because it, it seems to be lining up with a lot of the cards I expect to see in the format. And I do agree that it has some weaknesses. There's a lot of cards that deal with it on a one-for-one -one basis, but they mostly cost four. So it's not like right. I really hate the card. And I, I just don't want to get bogged down in board stalls that I feel that teamers actually going to have a very difficult time winning at this stage. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's like, how good is Bristling Hydra? Like, maybe you can even play like two copies on top of the Phoenixes, but it's possible. Chandra is, again, a card you might want, but if you're just trying to race in the air, then it's unlikely that you have a lot of blockers for Chandra. But yeah, yeah I, like the, I like the flyer plan with Whirler Virtuoso. 
Hydra seems okay, but not super impressive. You know, it's just like you're you're not going to have like the nine energy the turn you cast it anymore. Right, so right, spot on. That was my take as well. And I feel similarly about Long Tusk Cub. It's it's a card that I mean I think Teamer was cutting already, but I think in the absence of a tune, it's a mistake to play it in Teamer energy at this point. I do think you should be looking towards other two drops. Like I said, Branch Walker is one that I've looked into. I think that card's a little underwhelming, which is weird because when we saw it, it just like on its face seemed to have the right mix of stats to be a widely played card. But given all the reasons I stated previously, the ground being gummed up, yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit less high on Branch Walker. So I haven't found the right two drop yet, uh, but I don't think it's Long Tusk Cup any longer. Yeah, I had that same problem when I was building decks for my article last week. It was like a lot of my decks were just like, and I'm splashing for Jade Light Ranger. Cool. Mm. You know, like the the green cards are just not really there. I think a lot of the power level in green was like tied up in energy, you know, and like once it's like, well, energy's neutered. Why am I playing green? Eh, there's not like a good, good answer to that. Maybe you're supposed to be playing Grixis. Yeah. Like Grixis, Grixis RR Flyers. Mm, that's interesting. So just just use that same base. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm all red anyway on my top end. So use the same top end base in Grixis. I kind of like that approach. That's interesting. Like Sif- Siphoner is the two drop that you probably want anyway. It is. It, I mean, it's better than the other options. It's certainly better than Branch Walker, right? The thing you lose in that spot is is Servant. And I, I did like the kind of, you know, Servant, here's my four drop, here's my five drop. Those games felt pretty unlosable, at least as I was playing them out in my head. Um, so losing yeah. the acceleration is, is a big knock, but I guess it depends a lot on the texture of the format. If that's the case, then channel or initiate is the other two drop you want. Oh, so just eight, two drops. Maybe, maybe that's the way to go. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're going to have like 24, 25 lands. The vast majority of your lands are going to ETB untapped on turn three. Th- this deck seems like a quad rootbound crag deck to me. And then maybe like three sheltered thickets or something. That's what I'm at. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. It wouldn't surprise me if you just like have good mana to like play a four on turn three, and then you could play like a couple copies of Chandra on top of your Phoenixes. I do have Chandra now as well. Yeah, so uh, okay, I, I like that. I, I think you know, just max hit the four drop spot as hard as you possibly can, and kind of ride that to victory. Yeah, no, I just be green red monsters, you know, basically. And then you know, it's it's funny. You have to start questioning at some point, are you still supposed to be playing Whirl of Ritrosa, right? Like, we're so used to of it course. being such an insanely powerful card, but you could just be a red-green, like, quasi-midrange. Like, a, a, I think of it as a Kibler deck. It strikes me very Kibler-esque in its execution. Yeah. It's just, like, a big top-end uh, acceleration in the two-drop spot. You can play something like Voltaic Brawler if you want to. Ew. No, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's as bad as you, as you think it is. I'm going to talk you off the U. It's real bad. Why do you think it's an U right now? It's just an U, period. It only attacks. It doesn't block. I guess it's not playing the kind of dual roles that everything else in the deck can play quite as well when you move Correct. into something. Okay. So, so the thing about you talking about cutting Whirler Virtuoso kind of makes sense. It's just like, oh, if this is our only blue card, but I think that the negates out of the sideboard are very, very important. Mm-hmm. And you have eight blue fast lands, which are effectively free. You already have like Hub and Servant of the Conduit. So it's just like making blue mana for Whirler and Negate is almost trivial. As long as you're not pushing it with like Confiscation Coup and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it is fine. 
I guess the the takeaway is that I'm playing blue either way. Like even if I was red green monsters, I would still have blue in the deck for the sideboard options. Exactly for the reasons you're stating. I think negate is a critical card, and you basically can't afford to leave home without it. You're just too soft to all the control decks if you don't have negate. Correct. So the the question is just like is Whirler Virtuoso better than other options in red and green? And probably still yes, even with the reduced reliance on energy. Yeah, I mean, what what are the three drops? Like Ronus is a thing that you can play one or two of. Not super interested in Ronus right now. I can't really give you a, a square reason why. It's just Ronus has only been impressive to me in very specific metagames, and this doesn't strike me as one of them. There's still a lot of clean answers out there to Ronus. Yeah, I mean, it's also really awkward that Ronus is a thing that is going to get chump blocked on the ground if they care, and your other stuff is going to be flying. So, like, Ronus's actual ability, which is giving your other things evasion, doesn't really matter all that much. True. Very true. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Jade Light seems great. Two drop into random four drop seems pretty good still. Harness Lightning is still fine. You know, like, Teamer is very much a real deck, and if people sleep on it, like, I think it's a, a good call to play this weekend. Yeah, you're not going to mess it up too badly. I think I think that's the takeaway. Like your cards are so powerful that it's really hard to be completely unprepared for the room. Whereas if I don't have, I get the sense that if I don't have my black white sideboard built correctly, then I'm very vulnerable to too many archetypes. Well, yeah, I mean, plus there are just a lot of decks now, and yeah, you know, yep. And when there's a lot of decks, do something proactive and powerful. Yeah, for sure. All right, well. We have not seen any results from Mono Red yet, but like you said, there's like Red White Aggro, there's uh, Mardu Vehicles, which, but both of which I think are fine. I'm really, I'm not sold on this Path to Metal card. I don't know. People are raving about it to me. And you can see where it flips reliably, like it it does a lot for your deck. How reliably is it flipping? I don't know. I I guess like all of your creatures flip it, right? There's, There's no misses, are there? Yeah, I guess. So you just have to attack with two guys and then you get a free land that's a better Ramanap Ruins and has this like insane ability. I mean, you're never going to. I guess that's not even worth mentioning. Like it's never going to <laughs> kill a Scarab God. Yeah, I don't know. I, I probably need to play some with this deck. Maybe it's great. The mana's just so bad. I mean, that's every two color deck, right? It's just, it's just like I the know. cross we're going to bear right now. And the unfortunate thing is very few of the decks bear the cost of the tap lands well. Like it, it just doesn't work for so many of these decks. I think green black does. Um, that's an archetype that can ap- afford to play them. I haven't minded them in my white black deck. Again, they seem fine there. Uh, it's but pretty- you're a control deck, so it's exactly, fine. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, there's, there's a ton of decks in the format that really don't want anything to do with those tap lands. You know, unclaimed territory is... A problematic card. There's a lot of issues that come with playing that card. I think it's, don't get me wrong, I think a lot of decks have to play it, but huge cost there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Yeah, just one of the problems I ran into a lot in deck building was J Light Ranger and like the mana cost associated with it and everything. It was like, uh, like CD is so much easier than CC. Yes, very true. Very true. Kind of a, a new way of thinking about magic. I think that's kind of a conclusion we've only reached recently where you'd rather have those split cards than any double cost because we build our mana bases in such a way to get access to all of our colors of mana more than like a dearth of a certain color of mana. It's much easier to build in that fashion. Yeah, and there are cards like Gifted Aetherborn and Jade Light Ranger definitely falls under that category too where it's like they're so good on rate that you want to play them but the mana is so prohibitive that it's just like it's just a feel bad that you can't really put these cards in your decks, you know? Yeah, that's interesting from a design perspective anyway. Like 
is it actually a good thing to not give us the tools to successfully cast these cards? But there's a problem in that if you give us the tools to success the double cards, then they just start going in every deck, right? It's not like you're getting access reasonably in the two-color decks. It's that they branch out into three-color decks. So there's got to be yeah. some way to present a dual land that kind of is based around solidifying the mana for these decks as opposed to just making these five color mana bases possible um, that's like the missing piece of enabling cards like jade light ranger right yeah it's just like if the format had only like the only good cards were like silver gill adepts that you also didn't have any other merfolk it's like oh look what this thing could be you right know? like right. look how cool this could be but yeah, yeah you can't that's a really good analogy that's exactly what it feels like sometimes so is there anything you expected to kind of be present i mean we're looking at a very small sample size of results so the fact that things are excluded from here really is not telling us anything but is there anything you expected to see that is not present among these these first contenders from the moto metagame it is interesting like how much green has dropped off it's not about like what is what is here it's like about what isn't here you know it's like there's merfolk which is like sort of a green deck there's one constrictor list which admittedly looked pretty good like one dinos, one team or energy, but it's just like, what? what is the draw to playing green now? I, I mean, we have had a tune as our draw for so long. That's what we got used yeah. to is like the perfect mana, the the best energy access. That was green's identity. Look, let's be serious. Green's been too good for a little bit too long now, right? Like that's kind of been the core of standard for a very long time. If green has to kind of sit on the bench for a little bit, maybe that's a good thing. I agree, but like it, it shouldn't have to sit on the bench. It's just like, oh, maybe it's worse than other decks, but there's still something that's appealing. I guess that thing is supposed to be Winding Constrictor. I don't know. But if if we're like looking at Teamer and we're like, oh, this is just a bad Grixis, and the, the green merfolk are just kind of like fake blue merfolk. It does feel like green has lost a piece of its identity, right? Like it used to be the fast mana color for so many years, and because fast mana has been downgraded, like it doesn't exist at one mana anymore, which I do think is mostly a good thing. I do. I mean, I was I was there when like they slash we made that decision, so obviously I'm on board. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. I, I think it's a, a positive thing for for Magic as a whole, but I do think it's left green kind of without an identity. Like it's become this weird, like bastion of mid-range that has a huge amount of card advantage oftentimes or at least virtual card advantage which is strange a strange role for green to have now undertaken yeah i agree it is it is really weird when the blue deck is casting like glimmer of genius and the green deck is just like i'm outdrawn you like yep. I, I have tireless tracker or whatever i'm like cheaper and better at doing this yep strange card but yeah, I'm sure things will come to a, a point of parity. I mean, look, like I said, I think a lot of assumptions about this format have to be thrown out the window because it's just been absolutely trashed. Like things have not gone well, but that's fine. We're, we're past that. We're looking towards the future. I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying that a lot of the uh, identity roles that maybe design assumed when they were building these sets have gone out the window due to these very, very wide swaths of bands. And I would love to know what, the internal metagame looked like during this period of design? Did it even resemble anything like the point we've gotten to? It would be a really interesting thought experiment to see where things diverge so drastically. Yeah, I don't know. I, have they done like a play design article like the these are the decks from our FFL? I, I think, I mean, I think Sam Stoddard almost always does that article. It's possible I just missed it. I'm not sure on that one. Yeah, we'll have to check at some point. Yeah. Or if someone can link us to it, that'd be cool. But 
Yeah, right now it's like, oh man, there's a lot of black decks and a lot of white decks and a lot of blue decks. Like, this looks good. It just looks good. Yeah, so far so good. I mean, look, two days in, and I think we said this about the last format too. So we probably, uh, you know, fool me why, fool me once, shame on me, or shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. But we'll, we'll see how things evolve. Right now, though, it, it's unquestionable that things are at least exciting. And all of these decks seem very close on power level, to be honest with you. I think there's a lot of powerful things to be done, but there's counters to all those things. There's multiple paths to victory, which is the main thing right now. You can play a lot of different games of Magic, um, and that's where Magic's at its healthiest. So, Yeah, for sure. And I feel like you're also going to be playing some games where like, in the first two turns, you don't know what your opponent's playing exactly. Thank God. Isn't that rad? Yeah. When was the last time that was true? It's It's been a long time. It's been a long time. I already had that experience where I didn't really know what to expect. And I was like, oh, this is what this feels like. It's been so long um, since, you know, we didn't have these pillars of the meta where you were, you literally were just making a mistake if you weren't playing mono red or teamer, right? Like that data that they laid out, I knew the win rates for both of those decks were high. I was kind of shocked at just how high they were. Um, those are some problematic win rates. Mono Red's win rate was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Good God, bonkers in, in game ones, especially like it was so. It was like nearing sixty percent against the field. I couldn't have anticipated it would be that high. I, I I knew it was good, but that was it blew my mind for sure. And I liked a lot of the other kind of things I I was able to see from that data. A lot of my expectations, like you know, approach being an, an insane game one deck against Teamer and then just having no prayer in games two and three, that was validated in the data, which, you know, you certainly felt that if you played the matchup, but um, oh, yeah. it, it was nice to see the statistical validation of that, you know, laid out in front of me. Yeah, as it turns out, Regal Caracal doesn't beat anyone. No, not getting the job done. Although I lost to a Regal Caracal today. It beats me, I guess. It, it beats Profane Procession. Did you know that? If you have... <laughs> Four anointed processions in play. It does a very nice job of beating. Okay, okay, yeah. Anointed procession could be a problem. Do you have any way to kill that? Yeah, I mean, I have four cast 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 out out excellence binding. Binding. I have a demystify in the sideboard, which almost certainly nice. No, it should be something else. That that was very much a placeholder. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's plans to deal with it. But like I said, it's very much finding the right number. In, in those slots and making sure you have answers for all the decks in the format, not just tokens, but otherwise tokens will be a problematic matchup. Yeah. So if, if we look at uh, macro archetypes, we have Grixis mid range and teamer energy, which are both, I guess it should just be Grixis energy, right? Like they have siphoner harness lightning and whirler. That mm-hmm. kind of makes sense. Yeah. So you have those two as the energy holdovers there are a lot of different flavors of God Pharaoh's gift, which is cool. There's like blue, white Esper. And then like this Jess guy all in one, the madcap experiment, God Pharaoh's gift. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't With recommend combat that. Celebrant. But... I mean, that thing yeah. was bonkers. Um, yeah. Also wouldn't recommend it. Madcap experiment. I don't think your math is going to check out when you do it, but uh, you know, he, he got his five. Oh, that's cool. It definitely raised a few eyebrows uh, on my end when I saw the deck list, but yeah, I mean, God Pharaoh's gift is a, is a card card that was very much kept down by Teamer and Mono Red, the Abrade decks, right? So you could see a lot of space in the metagame opened up for decks like that. Yeah, and the Dinosaurs deck that I've seen have all been like Galta haste decks, and they don't play a lot of removal. So certainly not many copies of Abrade. That might change, though. Uh, it will, as time goes on, I'm pretty sure, because it, it, the lack of Abrade is exploitable, for sure. There's a lot of very good artifacts in this format. 
and if a braid is not a factor, you'll they'll see a lot of play. Yeah. Does Heart of Kieran count? Do you consider that to be a good artifact? Yeah, great artifact. I mean, there's a lot of other answers to Heart of Kieran, but I mean, Harness Lightning is a good way of keeping that down. That's still in the format. Fatal Push if Grixis becomes a thing. There's still a lot of good removal for Heart of Kieran, but you're right. Another good artifact and is, yeah, Martyr is, Vehicles will get some play too. Is Harness Lightning that effective at kill, like going above? It's worse. It's much worse now. Like you had a lot of, you know, incidental energy sitting around. So yeah, that's a good, you know, a good notch in Heart of Kieran's belt for it to see more play because the Harness Lightnings are not dealing with it effectively any longer. Yeah. And then uh, Merfolk, Mono Black, uh, Red White slash Mono Red. I guess Constrictor you would probably put under the mid-range camp because that's kind of what it looks like now with like the Verter's Gear Hulks and stuff. But like there's a lot of different flavors of aggro decks. Got some vampire action in there. Mm-hmm. I played a vampire deck today. I was very impressed by their kind of reach. They're able to play a long game pretty effectively out of vampires. Yeah, it's I, like all the cards look kind of bad, but they, they scale pretty well. Yep, mush together to form something effective. Again, that's what tribal decks are supposed to do, right? Exactly. Uh, and then what's the better control deck, do you think? Blue-black, blue-white, approach, Esper approach. I mean, it depends if you're asking the question for right now or for like the long term of the format. Long term, I would assume blue-black um, will prove to be the better Sorry, approach. Um, <laughs> this is going to make it confusing. But stop. But approach is <laughs> not going to be the way forward. It could be the best deck right now, though, if people aren't prepared for it. Approach has to be answered with effective sideboarding. That's kind of its MO. It has an amazing yep. game one. And if you don't give it respect in game two, you're in trouble. But I think a lot of the holdovers of the old format, people are still giving it the appropriate respect. So Okay. Uh, what else? There's like Black Blue Midrange, which is probably just a worse Grixis deck. Probably, yeah. I, I think I've tooled around with that deck a little bit, and it just seems like you'd rather have the, you know, energy package, the really powerful cards that you get, like Glorybringer, um, Chandra, possibly Rekindling Phoenix. So not super sold on Blue Black Midrange right now. All right, so you can you can beat down, you can midrange, you can control, you can play Weirdo Abzan Tokens. You can brew white-black treasure map decks. Uh, Marionette Master is a card that I think looks pretty well-positioned against this swath of decks. Yeah, it's it's there. I mean, I think everything's possible right now. You know, it's got a very severe weakness if Essence Scatter is still around, but the Essence Scatters seem to be at an all-time low. Even the teamer lists that are playing a little harder with the blue mana are trimming on Essence Scatter, so... Could be that card's time. It's certainly been something that a few people have been pushing very hard for a long time. Never quite successfully, but it's always been on the fringes. Yeah, I played against... I, I was thinking like blue-black control with four map and some marionette masters as like your kill condition, basically. And I've seen like a few lists that were pretty similar. I also played against uh, blue-black Godfaro's gift deck that had marionette master and it killed with uh, having a metalwork colossus in the graveyard. Jeez. So that was pretty dope. So maybe that's a thing. I don't know. If you're looking for a clean kill in your God Pharaoh's gift deck. That's a card that still exists too, Metalwork Colossus. Uh, you know, it's certainly seen some play throughout its time in the format. And I don't think it's on anyone's radar right now. But again, if a braids are down, definitely a powerful, powerful effect to have. But are the artifacts good? That's the real question. The ones you play around it historically have been quite bad. But there's new artifacts to consider. Ooh, the, the arch or whatever. The gate. Maybe. I, I hope not, because then I'll be super wrong about it, and I never <laughs> would be wrong, but yeah, it could be worth trying. 
kind of you're very reliant on a key card. So all the looting does you a lot of good. They play well with their graveyard. They're able to buy back Colossi from the graveyard. Um, so that plays in favor. And they certainly have homes for lots of mana. So you got to exile with the gate, right? Oh, you're right. It is an exile. Yeah, because it checks the exiled cards. Okay, scratch yep. that. Scratch that. So no you, you can't put away the Colossus, but the Colossus deck is built in such a way to have a big spread of CMCs. Right. Very true. So you do have that going for you. Yeah, and that's a huge part of the puzzle with that card. Like I said, I think that's kind of the piece that everyone's missing. It's that it's going to be more difficult than you think to spread out your CMCs to actually get a flip. But that deck yeah, might do like, it better than most. Even even like Teamer is pretty spread on like zero to four, right? And then you'll have like a random five or six or something that you can use as a wild card. It is, but you have to be like, how much do you let your required discards shape your decision making? Like you can't, you really can't. Oh, I know, man. So, so it has to be very incidental. I would absolutely hate to have to like loot away a three, loot away a three, because then it just like, it puts your progression so far back. Right. You but know? it may be the correct given like the texture of the game to have done so. And, that, and that's the, the sticking point, I think, that's going to come up over and over. Yeah, so ideally you have a widespread so that you can make, like you can make decisions based on both like what is best for this game currently and what is best to transform this in the short term. Right, and a deck like, you know, Metalware Colossus that has just a huge range of goofy CMCs is going to be able to achieve that much easier. Yep, uh, I don't know, five five is a lot. It's a lot. I agree. It's a lot. Compared to Path of Metal, where you just transform the next turn almost always. Maybe even that turn. Yeah. And you're getting the mana boost too. I think that's like the huge thing we're kind of, or at least I'm sleeping on. You know, rampant growth is good, especially when you get a, a Ramanap Ruins out of it. So yeah. that, that card might be pretty good. I, I think it's going to surprise us when we actually get some games in with it. Like I said, I watched some people stream it. It didn't look that good, but whatever. I, I could certainly be wrong. Mm hmm. I don't know. I like my my mono red pirates. So that's what <laughs> is that what you're going to be playing for the coming week? Strictly mono red pirates. Like, there's not a whole lot of reason for me to play a lot of standard, and I'm vastly behind on like drafting and modern for the pro tour. Mm. So I also have GPND this weekend, so I need to get some drafts under my belt. I I did like a draft, but I haven't played. And that's team limited, right? Correct. Mm. It'll be interesting to see how the format changes for Team Limited. It was it was not a good team sealed format, in my opinion. Hopefully there's some new wrinkles with Team Limited. Yeah, we'll see. Uh if I had a PTQ or something this weekend, I would probably just go with Grix's mid-range because I don't have a ton of reps, but I have played with that deck previously and it didn't lose anything. So Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Grixis or Teamer. Like I said, I think I'm gonna play Teamer just kind of partially because I wanna try something a little different, see how this Skies plan works. I think it is, it's exploiting a lot of things that are going on in the format. But I, I think Grixis is a fine choice as well. Mm, how do I make Grixis better against Mono Red? Um, I, I think that the Infest is a very good card. Uh, you can certainly play that. A lot of the decks in my article had like some Infest and some of the 1B minus 2 minus 2 gain 2 life. Yeah, how good do you think that card is? Like really medium. Yeah, that's my take as well. I, I don't think it does enough. I, I mean, certainly not changing around the mono red matchup. You need something a little bit more impactful than that. And and I don't really know what the Grixis list has to offer in that regard. Essence extraction. Can the mana sustain that? It's difficult, well, right? It, it, it depends which way you go because when I made it, like you, if I cut the glory bringers and just made it like blue, black, splash red, then yes. 
Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about playing Phoenixes and Glorybringers in this deck, then it gets a little worse. But right. you're already trying to play like Siphon or Contempt, maybe Chupacabra, so you could be Black, Red, Splash, Blue. Yeah, like Scarab God, Oiler Virtuoso, and that's pretty much the extent of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked the idea of like Gear Hulk and Vraska's Contempt against Mono Red and just not playing the RR cards, so no Chandra, no Glorybringer. But if you want to try out the Glorybringers and stuff, uh, you got to... Probably got to get rid of the Gear Hulks and the random blue spells like yep. this and Scatter Supreme Well. Yep. Yeah, I could see that uh, leaning a lot harder on the the black red style decks, and you know that kind of like black red mid rangey type stuff usually has very good matchups against decks like mono red. So I'm assuming you can probably build this one in such a way that it becomes very tenable. Yeah, I mean, especially with the infests or if people, I guess the the red white deck has some pirates, so maybe fiery cannonade is not the best answer. So do you think do you think the blue the the Grixis decks have to have plans against the the land the path of metal because they really have no answer to it right now like they'll just flip it early and sit there and pick you off two at a time if the game goes long and your clock is so slow too like I I could totally see that happening because Ramanab ruins and Hazaret and even things like Chandra like that was always a big problem with these blue black decks it was like you had to just like jam Scarab God and try and race them because eventually right. they were going to burn you out and you don't have any like you know, gain 10 life card or anything like that. So uh, you could maybe scrap for answers, but even if you're boarding in like Stone Rain or like Spreading Rot, whatever the best one is, like that's not a good solution either. No, it's not. Jeez. I mean, you can go harder on, again, maybe this speaks in favor of the clock side, like having the beaters in the air so you can just end the game very quickly. That also lets you explore things like uh, Cartouche, but Cartouche, when your main threats are red, and it's ass- not yeah good. assuming yeah. they still have access to chandra's defeat that's really problematic also the fact that they can board in the daredevil and get access to all of your removal spells including your chandra's defeats right <laughs> that's that's real nice are there any big life gain cards i don't think there are because i wrote about uh these black decks and i had no good options uh my black white deck has a single I'm, i don't even know the card name gain double x life something sacrament or something whatever. sacrament because a lot of it like you have to play some games to just not lose and you just sit there forever behind your wall of removal your deck sounds awful oh it's so good <laughs> it's so good i love it i love four treasure map but ooh. <laughs> everything else is garbage all right i think i broke it let's hear it twilight prophet you know that's a card that as i was building decks i kept being like huh if you're talking about homes for it Grixis is interesting because you still get access to the Whirler Virtuosos, which are, do a very good job of enabling City's Blessing. Yeah. Are you going to just lose games, though, with that card where you don't have City's Blessing and it's just like a four mana two for it that does nothing? Yes. Okay. And those, those are going to be most of the games, too, I think. Like, you're going to lose the majority of games as it sits there and does nothing. All right. On the bright side, I found the best Stone Rain. Which one is that? You're not going to like it. It's not the four mana one, is it? No, it is Blood Sun. Oh, at least it cantrips. Yeah, it does do that. It's it's answering other cards too. I, I like getting diversity out of my sideboard slot. So the fact that I have a plan against blue black where I could shut off, shut off search is nice. Any other things we're hitting with that right now? Uh, I would rather just try and Cartusha Scarab God. Maybe. It's hard to say. I, I would have to play games with it. I, I like the idea of a cantripping answer that you can just play proactively at any point on the curve. And it's not like this thing you have to base your entire game plan around. But then I think about taking off my turn three against Mono Red, who's like beating me down with 
ferociousness just to answer this card, which may or may not flip or, you know, has is still boosting their mana, even if I do answer it via Blood Sun. So there's definitely some problems with the plan. But if it's a huge issue, it's a good look. It's nice to know it's out there if you really have to go down that road. All right. I thought of maybe a better Stone Rain, although this one is also very ugly. What's this one? Field of Ruin. Yeah, I don't think you can do that in Grixis reliably, right? Like <laughs> you can't, you can't, absolutely not. No, you would have to like side it in. Yeah, that's not gonna work. I have appreciated again having that in my black white deck. It's very nice there. You answer a lot of problem cards, but uh, yeah, not gonna be an inclusion in Grixis. I think I would rather sideboard like two of those than Blood Sun, but I think I would rather sideboard Cartouche instead. Okay, so at least we have we have paths to try, right? Like there are potential options. It's not like you're just cold to mono red. You just have to figure out which of these things you have to answer, what your best approach is to the game. Uh, is there like a giant vehicle with lifelink? I don't know. That just gets abraded. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think there is one either. I, I mean, there's either Sphere Harvester. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That one might be good because we're kind of an energy deck anyway. That's true. All right, two Harvester, two Cartouche. Let's do it. Solved. Mono red has been defeated. We did it. We did it. Grixis's best deck. If, if only it was that easy. It has not been that easy previously. I mean, maybe the decks have gotten worse where like, you know, that simple of an approach is enough. I'm skeptical right now. But uh, yeah, fine place to start. There are answers out there. Harvester being a real card again is nice. Uh, the effect of Ferocidon on that card was pretty devastating. Oh God, it was so gross. And the fact that Teamer had like harsh mentors in their deck because they had to against mm-hmm. Teamer. And it was just like, Harvester was just a card that got hit by it. You yeah. know, like everyone else wants to play Harvester in their board, right? But they just can't. And now just like you have all these creature decks that might just turn to Harvester as a means to like fight themselves, which I think is cool. Yeah, Harvester is an interesting card. One that leads to interesting game states. I think it has a lot of, very difficult decision making behind it. It's not as clear as just like, here's my thing. You can't win anymore because there's still like, you can't just sit behind a harvester until the end of time. Like you still have to have a game plan. And I, I like that aspect of it. Yeah, me too. Okay. So you're, you're going to teamer. I'm going to Grixis. We're both playing energy because we're scumbags. Yes, correct. Is that, is that about how it goes? That's how it goes for the time being. And, and that's going to change, but for the time being, you don't have to reinvent the wheel in week one. Keep doing what's powerful while everything else forms around you. And then you can come back and decide, you know, the right approach to take. Yeah. Maybe Merfolk is gas, though. I don't know. I have to see that actually get played. Yeah. I I don't know. I can't look at these cards and believe this is the best deck in the format. That's all I'm saying. Um, I'm happy to be proven wrong, but just reading the list of cards, I don't know. I, I don't see it whatsoever. All your interaction is for Unsummon. Don't get me wrong. I love Unsummon. One of my favorite cards ever. But I hope that's not all I'm doing as far as interaction goes. Maybe it's good. I don't know about this one spell pierce, though. I'm kind of off that. <laughs> I think people think it's a fish deck, right? Because it has a lot of fish in it. And that might be a, something that's proven wrong as time goes on as well. I feel like it's like a Deep Root Elite, Jade Bearer, Kumina, Pump All My Creatures a Bunch deck. Yeah, it's it's much more about just like going wide. And I do like the inclusion of like Jungle Born Pioneer, which is a card that on its face is kind of underwhelming. But... I think that's closer to the actual identity of Merfolk than a lot of the other cards I've seen included in the list. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, I mean, the, the Merfolk deck looks reasonably built. Uh, sideboard is just kind of a bunch of nonsense, but I think everyone kind of has that problem right now. Yeah, because you don't know what you're sideboarding for. I mean, that's that's sideboarding week one. You, sh- you shove in a bunch of nonsense spells that hopefully are super broad and you get a little bit of game versus everyone and you're not actually good 
postboard against anyone. Having a great sideboard for week one is one of the surest ways to have a tremendous edge on a field. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I think I've done that like once or twice in my entire career. So. Exactly. It, it's so hard to do. I, I have done it, but it, it's extremely difficult. Yep. Uh, but really, I can't I can't say don't touch any of these decks or like any specific one of these decks, except for like maybe abs and tokens. But even that deck might be good. Yeah, I think that deck's fine. I mean, I, I think there's like, again, people have to be prepared for that deck. There has to be answers to their strategy. They do something very weird. If people aren't prepared for it in week one, that could be a fine choice. Does it have legs going forward? Probably not. I think there's a lot of good ways to deal with their game plan. But, you know, they got unleashed a little bit when Ferocidon hit the bench. So they're going to have their few weeks of fun and hopefully we'll be able to bring them back to reality pretty quickly. Because those Abzan mirrors, there was like a week, it was Nationals actually. Like I, I think Abzan was the hot deck at Nationals. Yeah, and you ultimately proved that wrong by doing very well at the tournament. But uh, th- there were a lot of like mirror matches where the two players ended at 400 life um, on that weekend, I think. Yep, miserable. Do we have a question or do you have a question? Yeah, we have questions. Uh, Let's see what we have for this week. All right. So this question comes from Jonathan Carter over at the game discord. He says, post ban, what's your projected top eight in the standard seat for SCG Dallas? You go first. Give me your projected top eight. So I played in GP Santa Clara and obviously this is not necessarily transferable or anything, but uh, both events are team constructed, were team constructed, and basically I was just like kind of surprised by the amount of diversity I saw in the standard seat, and I'm not sure exactly what caused that, but like there were like some blue-white decks, Mardu, I played against only one teamer deck, I think, and only a couple mono-red decks. Like It seemed like the standard people were the people who were willing to deviate the most, so I don't know. It's basically like what's over, what's all over Goldfish and what's all over Magic Online. It's just like the, these are the decks that people are going to play. I don't think that people have enough time to really like brew something new. So you probably won't see any white black controls or anything. But uh, I think that, uh, I don't know, like Mono Red and Teamer are both decks that look like they probably lost more than what they actually did. So maybe Approach, maybe Grixis would probably be the two that I think would show up the most. Okay. I'm going to give a specific answer. There will be three red aggro decks split between red and red-white. There will be a teamer energy, two Grixis, one approach, and one green-black counters aggro constrictor type deck. And that is going to be the top eight of SCG Dallas in the standard seat. Quote me on it, 100%. That's not a bad top eight. I wonder... If Grixis is actually popular, because like, did people know that that deck existed? It seemed like it was like very under the radar before. A a ton of people have asked me about it. It was like a super, when I was doing my stream, everyone wanted to talk about Grixis. Now, I don't know if that is shaped by kind of the circles I run in because, you know, Rob was um, one of the creators of of that deck in its like previous incarnations, the one that finished ninth at a GP. Yep. So obviously we know a lot of the same people and a lot of the people who know me from First Strike podcast were in my stream. So that could certainly have a lot to do with it. But my kind of general pulse on the room is that people are very, very interested in Grixis. Okay, cool. We'll see if that actually comes to fruition, but it makes sense. I mean, it's just an, an obvious archetype that like 
didn't lose anything. It didn't lose a single card. So if it was already close to being competitive, let's see what it has now. Yeah. And it is like the the best harness lightning negate deck, I think. Probably true, yeah. Well, for a tune with Ether, Rogue Refiner, Ramanap Ruins, and Rampaging Ferocidon. Ooh, I called that by the way. That card is great. You, I told you, you. You said that card was amazing. You called it from week one. Not for Ban-worthy. one second did you believe it was ban-worthy or going to be banned. So don't try and play that off. But you said it was a very powerful card. And obviously that proved true. Ban-worthy. I can't argue with that. It, it got bad. Anyway, for those cards, those four cards, that's game! <laughs>